With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fulton. The Pro, Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume 1. One. Bill Dundee, Super Mex Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, Wrestling This is SWB, and you're listening to Russellville Podcast. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today's guest is Slick Wagner Brown, professional wrestling and wrestling coach from Boston, Massachusetts. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Vince. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. So I was talking to Ryan Frost, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago, he was a guest on my podcast and uh, he referred me to you and I reached out to you and we finally got a time that worked out uh, for the both of us. I'm, I'm glad that you yeah. were able to come on. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your career and, and some of the things that you've accomplished in your, in your days of wrestling. Well, I've been wrestling for 25 years uh, this year. I've wrestled for many, a lot of top companies, companies that you'd know, like WWE, Ring of Honor, TNA, New Japan, uh, uh, IWA Puerto Rico, and a lot of top independent companies like Jersey All Pro, ECWA, USA Pro, New England Championship Wrestling, Chaotic Wrestling, you know, stuff like that. A lot lot of top companies, yeah. Was there any particular company that you like the most or was there one that was special to you and why i would say like the home the home base companies like the companies that really gave me gave me my, my start in the northeast area so um nw new, new england was was a big one because that was the first major company that i worked for was nwa new england when i was just fresh out of wrestling school and uh tony rumble who was the, the founder and, and producer at the time uh, it took a liking to me and a, a few of the other guys from my dojo, from Killer Kowalski's dojo. And, you know, he really got behind us. We were young guys. We were green. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. But he, he saw that we had passion and that we were willing to learn and, and put in the work. So he gave, he gave us a shot. What was Tony Rumble like? And, and what was he like to, to learn under him and Killer Kowalski? Uh, they were both like, wow, you know what I mean? Old school guys. And, you know, they had a lot of stories, you know, uh, but they were just, they were just so, uh, so, so helpful. You know what I mean? So, uh, willing to, uh, share their knowledge, uh, with the next generation. Like if you were willing, you know, especially if you were willing to learn, they, there's, you know, they shared so much with, with me and, you know, my peers, and it really, it really helped us. It gave us a, a good foundation that we could build on. 
And Keller Kowalski, you know, talk a little bit about him and what he meant to wrestling. He was he was pretty much a heel most of his career, wasn't he? Yeah, he was he was a villain, you know, especially after he tear off Yukon Eric's ear. Uh, that's where he got the moniker killer from. So uh, but uh, Walter taught us reality wrestling. Like he wanted the wrestling to be uh, creative, uh, different, and most importantly, believable. So he was teaching reality wrestling, believable wrestling before it was uh, a thing. You know what I mean? Like today, reality wrestling is a, is a thing, you know, especially coming out of like NXT, like with Triple H. But Walter was doing that well before it became a thing. Like that was always something that he wanted in his wrestling was it to look and be believable, you know, not something that cartoonish or something that you would not, you know, spend your money or time on. What was uh, the partnership between Tony and, and Killer Kowalski? Did they, they work together or they, they just trained with each other? Or they were friends or how, how that all worked? Uh, Tony was a promoter. So Tony promoted the NWA New England brand and uh walter was a coach uh he did you know his pro wrestling institute in malden mass but promoters you know like tony and and many other guys would often come to the dojo and scout talent so like you know they were always looking for you know fresh blood new new faces and they would come to the dojo you know what seemed like a weekly basis and just scout talent what was it like to to be taught under a killer Kowalski. I mean, it had to give you uh, some kind of assurance for someone who had been in the wrestling business for as long as he had, no matter what he said, I, you could almost believe anything he'd tell you. Right. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing was his name had so much weight. Like he was a credible character. And anytime you went somewhere and said, I was trained by killer Kowalski, you were like given a pass. Like, you know, they knew that, uh, what they could expect. You know what I mean? They knew that you knew the basics at the very least of professional wrestling and that you were going to be respectful. You were going to be someone in the locker room that they didn't have to worry about. You know what I mean? Those are the things that, that Kowalski guys offered uh, then, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. He, he definitely uh, was well-respected by his peers. Yeah, it's like getting a degree from Harvard or 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 Yale, or Yale or Stanford. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. There's something that comes along with that piece of paper, you know. Yeah, you know that they're committed, and you know that they 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 have a good foundation. Right, right. You you're you're qualified. Right, <laughs> right, right. Is there anything that? Matt Killer Kowalski, anything that might have he taught you in the early days that just rings true today is something that you you pass on to your students and something that you will always remember. Just the believability and the basics of professional wrestling. Like, you know, I think I think the basics of pro wrestling is not is not focused on like the way it should be. I think no matter no matter where you come from, right? If you're a professional wrestler, no matter where you come from. And wherever you learn the art of pro wrestling, the basics should be the same. You know, there's just certain things that you should be able to do without without question. When was the first time that you saw Killer Kowalski in action? Do you remember? Wrestling? Yes. I, I, I would go back, like, like you know, I started watching wrestling 
because of my aunt and uncle in the in, the, in 1990 when they were building Warrior and Hogan. That's when I that's when I my first time seeing a professional wrestling match um, or a TV show. Um, I saw I had to go back and watch Walter wrestle, obviously, but I, I he did he come out of you know retirement and wrestle on his own event. Uh, was, was like wrestling all stars, all star wrestling that he had um, and wrestled there. So I see him wrestle on that event like live. He did a tag team match. It's like the executioner. He used to be one of the executioners. So he did that deal. Outside of wrestling, what was Walter like? What was he like to his students and, and the people that came into the gym? Very kind, very open, very welcoming. Um, he, he, he liked to take pictures. You know, uh, whenever he would go on the road, he would always bring his camera and take pictures. Uh, he loved he loved to eat. There was a local restaurant where he would always go to, like on a weekly basis on like a Sunday or something, um, you know, stuff like that. So like, he was very uh, nature, nature oriented. He was a vegetarian, of course. You know what I mean? So just, you know, hum- humble, kind. I remember he came to one of my one of my birthday parties. Like that was that was a big deal, a big deal to me, because he didn't ha- he didn't have to do that. What do you remember? What birthday it was, or around? Probably, I would say early twenties, man. Probably like 22, 20, maybe twenty three, twenty one. It was early, early birthday. I was very young. Uh huh. And what did you think? Killer Kowalski just showed up to my birthday party. <laughs> yeah, Killer Kowalski is in my house. Obviously, obviously, I trained with him, but um, it's just. It just to me, it just said like it's not just business. Like we're we're a little closer than that. You know what I mean? Right. Just business is like going to the going to the dojo and working out, paying my paying my dues. Right. That's business. But coming to my birthday party is is personal. He didn't have to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. He cared about you. Right. Right. Yeah, I've heard some stories about him that he was just very genuine and very personable, and a lot of people liked him. Was he? Real well respected in his community too, like in the neighborhoods and stuff like that. Absolutely, man. They have a picture of him at Kowloon's. Kowloon's a big uh, Chinese restaurant in, in in Boston that a lot of the boys go to whenever they're in town on any level. Independent, WWE, it doesn't matter. AEW, they go to Kowloon's. Walter's got his picture on the wall. Uh, the owner is always, you know, welcoming and kind to Walter. He has his own table. And, you know, any of the quality guys that come through there, he's always very kind and, 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 and welcoming to them, too. So when Walter passed away, what, what happened to his gym, his training facility? Well, his, his gym, the gym closed before Walter got sick um, because he, he shared a space with a, with a, a karate studio. And uh, I guess the karate studio e- either closing or moving or the building was getting demolished. I'm not sure. And they had, they had to move and Walter decided to, you know, that, that was, that was the end of it. He didn't, he didn't want to go through the hassle of, you know, finding a new location and stuff like that. He, he, he was at that location for God, like maybe 20 something years. You know what I mean? Um, so what he ended up doing was he sold his, his name to chaotic wrestling and they were using his name at their dojo. And when did you start your test of strength? Uh, 2014, December 2014. That's when I, you know, I always had the idea in the back of my head because I had some coaching experience at Killer Kowalski's. 
So I was I was the head coach there for like, you know, two years. That went well. You know, I, I, I felt like because, you know, not every wrestler can transition to being a good coach. You know what I mean? Some guys are good wrestlers, but they're not good coaches. You know, and some guys are, just, you know, whatever. But it just doesn't translate all the time. So when I got the opportunity to do that at Killer Kowalski's, like that, you know, enforced and encouraged me in the back of my mind that this is something I could, I could potentially do someday. So here comes 2014, and, you know, I get the idea in my head just, just to start my own, my own dojo and just could basically continue the legacy of Killer Kowalski, you know. He trained me, taught me things that I can that are useful in professional wrestling that I can potentially pass on to the next generation. And just keep his name alive, keep it, keep it going. Right. Did when when younger wrestlers come in and they start asking questions of Killer Kwaski or you tell stories of Killer Kwaski, is it memorable mm. for you or does it uh uh do you think these these kids, these young people coming in, do you think they understand his his legacy in the business? I, I don't I don't think they com- they completely understand. Like maybe maybe some of the older guys do, maybe. Uh, but the young kids, I don't think they really do. Um, but you know, they know that he's obviously made an impact because of their interaction and ex- experience with myself. Like they know that he taught me and now I'm teaching them. And a lot of the things that I'm teaching them is things that I learned from him. Right. And when they see, when they see that those things, you know, they work when they get the opportunity to go and apply what they've learned in front of an audience and it works. I think that raises the stock a little, a little more. The appreciation gets bumped up. Absolutely, I I would agree. What, how many how many students do you currently train, and how many do you train at one time? Well, I've got probably like twenty students on the books. How many show up on a weekly basis? That's a different story. You know, sometimes we have a full class, sometimes we don't. Uh, but you know, no matter what. Do they come in and, and train for a certain period of time? Do they do they train on uh, do you let them go on their on their uh, progress or I mean, are they in there for automatically a certain amount of months or how does it work like that? No. So I do it like Walter did it. Um, there's not a three month session or, you know, six month session. Uh, everyone learns at their own pace. Not everyone is going to learn things the same speed as the next person so walter didn't have any time frame or anything like that you 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 it was a lifetime membership and it's the same thing with us i mean you always have a place a place to work out always have a place to train it's it's uh like when you know michael jordan is the greatest basketball player in the world he's he's labeled as that uh people can see it and they verify it he never stopped training like you have you have to keep training so you can stay sharp you can't stay sharp, especially on this level, the independent level, where you're not working as much, depending on who you are, and you're just going from from uh, event to event. There's there's no way you can you can keep your skills at the level that it needs to be to be successful. 
So you have to supplement that with training. It's not like back in the territory days where guys were working six, seven days a week. They were always in the ring on any given night. That's a different story. They were basically keeping their, their skills sharp on the road because they had, the, they had that opportunity to do that. And how often do you get in the ring and, and when's the last time that you've wrestled? Um, I wrestled at our last event, which was uh, May May 7th. Yeah, May 7th. So I uh, did a uh, trios tag team match then. And as far as weekly basis getting in the ring, I get in the ring. I don't really take as many bumps in the ring like as I used to before, you know what I mean? Say, save those bumps for a, for a live event. But I, I get in the ring and I do stuff and I show them stuff. You know, if we're learning something new, I'll show them how to do it. Or I'll grab one of the uh, one of the, the guys that, that I trust that, you know, has a certain level of experience that can I know can execute what I'm talking about correctly. Do you like wrestling as much as you like coaching? Or? I like both. I like both. Wrestling is more of a uh, – it's more like, you know, the spotlight is on you. But coaching, the spotlight is on the next guy, you know, uh, or the next girl. And, and I like both. I like I like being able to to do things and have people, you know, appreciate them or not appreciate them, depending on what 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 character I'm playing that you know on that given day. But when you when you see that has a, a different feeling when you see when someone that you saw come into your dojo on day one and they know absolutely nothing about professional wrestling. They know nothing. It's just a clean slate. They're green. They don't know nothing. And you you take that person and you coach them for however amount of time, and then the time comes where they can they know enough to do a, do a live event, to go out there, they have the basics down, and they can, you know, execute a live event, a live event match, uh, a short one, and they go out there and they absolutely kill it and do a good job, and it's their first match. There's no no better feeling than that. And they come back and they hug you and they are just so appreciative and they're so emotional because it's something, it was a dream. It's something that they wanted to do and now they're doing it, you know? They were doing it when they were training, but it's different for them. They consider doing it when they actually make it out in front of a live audience. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be exciting stuff. Yeah. You know, what was what do you think the biggest change in professional wrestling has been since the time that you entered until today? It, it's evolved in many ways, right? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, like when I started, you had to have been trained to get on get on an event. You have to you have to have been trained by someone that was credible to get on an event, you know. So people knew that you were you were able to go out there and perform. And, you know, you and the person you were working with would be able to go home and play with their children. You know what I mean? Yes. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look like you're trying to kill each other. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still in good health and condition where I can go home and play with my son. And really, that's what it's, it's, what it's about. Put on a great show, but also being able to go home and, and spend time with your family the same way you, you left. Right. I've, I've been spending some time talking to Black Bart, and that was that was the thing okay. that he, you know, that he kind of stressed the things that yeah. he, he said more than one time to me. You know, we put our bodies in the hands of the other guy, you know, and 
he expected, <laughs> you know, you expected and he expected that, you know, you guys were going to do right by each other, you know, and right. So, and he said that, you know, there was problems when you didn't, you know, right. Right. I mean, today you don't know who you're staying across the ring from. You have no idea what level of training that person has. And, you know, I, I think it, it was probably the same back then, too. Like I said, it was probably not as bad. You know what I mean? Well, from what I hear back in that day, you know, even when you you started and when Bart started, uh, a lot harder to get in wrestling back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I think everyone uh, everyone has um, everyone should have the opportunity to follow their dream. You know, no one should be uh, you know denied the opportunity. But you know, just because you have you have the opportunity doesn't mean you know you have the right or that you've earned you've earned it. You just have the opportunity. You have to you have to prove yourself. You have to prove that you 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 really want to be a professional professional wrestler and that you really want to do this. Is there something taking place in wrestling today that um, that when you see it, you kind of shake your head and and say, you know, that would have never have flown when I was starting? Or sometimes I I, I uh, like there's there's uh, like locker room etiquette, you know, people. People come in and don't introduce themselves, uh, you know, or they'll like if I'm standing, if you're standing with a girl, they'll come up and introduce themselves to you and not the girl. Like you see stuff like that all the time and it, and it bothers me. You know what I mean? Like everyone should should be treated the same. It doesn't matter if you're the top guy or, or, or the bottom guy. Uh, we're all on the same event. We're all here for the same purpose. We've all uh, made sacrifices and put time and energy into this. So everyone should be treated the same with respect. In your area up in the uh, Northeast, who are, are some of the up and coming wrestlers that you know we should keep an eye out on or are guys that we could, guys or gals that we could see in the near future on, on a major promotion? We've got a itchy bomb, we got a mask guy. And uh, Jordan Jordan Rowe, who was uh, recently on Raw, uh, did a segment with Bobby Lashley. Um, we have Sammy Diaz. Um, we have uh, you know um, Evie Evie uh, De La Rosa. Uh, Dan Deman, he's an old school guy, but he's a great character with great promos. Um, there's so many. Uh, Mike Skyros, who's our who's competes under the Texas Strength banner right now. He's from he's a New York State guy. Uh, Jay Freddy, uh, he's an old school guy, but uh, he works his ass off and always gives 110% of the ring. Those are the ones I can come up with off the top of my head right now. <clears throat> what is it that 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 you like so much about professional wrestling and and what it offers? What you know, what it's done for you, and but what is it that you you like so much about it? Well, I was when I started watching wrestling, I was a 10 year old kid. Um, I grew up in Boston. Um, you know, you're you're uh, constantly being told to go to go to school, go to college, right? Uh, I decided I, I fell in love with pro wrestling, and when I graduated high school, I started to pursue that dream of professional wrestling. 
And in doing so, it has it has taken me all over the world and seen places that, you know, I probably would have never seen otherwise unless I took a vacation there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, unless I was in that kind of position where I could take a vacation to go there. You know what I mean? Like uh, Japan would be expensive. Uh, you know, um, England would be expensive. You know, but I had the opportunity to, you know, go to those places, Scotland, Ireland, and Canada and Puerto Rico and all over the United States just by applying myself in a pro wrestling ring. You know what I mean? Uh, right. So I, I always tell my guys, man, this, these, these sets of ropes and then this ring can, can take you around the world. It's, it's crazy. But this, this thing right here, by applying yourself and putting in the work, uh, can someday take you around the world and you don't have you, you they're going to pay you to do it. You don't have to spend a dime. They're going to pay you to do it. Right. It's it's kind of like joining the military, but better. Yeah. Bigger, bigger. It's the same thing. You know, there's no difference really between an independent event and a WWE event. They use the same thing, same ring. It's the same. You know, the basics as far as the basic of pro wrestling is the same. The only difference is they have more people and more lights. That's it. More people and more lights. It's no different. Wrestling then, wrestling in an independent event is no different. When that crowd is hot and on fire and you're having that magical moment, it's the same. Right. Same. And, you know? and for the fans, I think uh, independent wrestling is a little bit better because, well, for one, it's affordable, but also, right. two, every seat is a decent seat. Well, it's, it's also personal. Like right. You can see someone in the ring perform and you become a big fan in that moment. You know, you have a connection with that person. You become a fan. You can meet that person after the show. That's right. You, you can potentially have a beer with that, with that person after the show. Right. In, in, the, in the WWE, that's not going to happen. That, that is not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Wagner, it has been a pleasure talking to you tonight. It's been it's been fun, and I've enjoyed yeah. uh, talking about Walter and and talking about the area where you work in. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. Same here, Vince. Just share share with your audience. You know, Chester Strength Wrestling in East Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, it's TOS Wrestling One on all social media. And you know, give us a, a follow, subscribe, like, and uh, check us out on YouTube. We'll do it. And thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Vince. I appreciate you being patient. Oh, no, not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah. You're listening to the Wrestleville podcast where wrestling lives. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon.